Chemical Watch podcast. Unlock the full value of your compliance and product stewardship with world-leading insight and intelligence from Chemical Watch. To find out more or request a demo, visit chemicalwatch.com. Chemical Watch. Intelligence to transform product safety. Hello, this is Andrew Turley, Science Editor of Chemical Watch, welcoming you to this week's news podcast, hosted by members of the Chemical Watch team. Over the coming weeks, we hope the Chemical Watch news podcast will provide you with fresh insight into the biggest stories and developments taking place in the world of chemicals regulation and management. For today's episode, I'm joined by Lee Stringer, who is the Global Business Editor of Chemical Watch and by Editorial Director Geraint Roberts. We're going to focus on two stories which broke last week. Firstly, the launch in Europe of proposals by the Cross Industry Initiative for a more effective and consistent regulatory management option analysis process for determining whether regulatory action is necessary for a substance. And secondly, Concerns raised by the chair of a key UK parliamentary committee over the UK's post-Brexit chemical strategy following the government's decision to suspend work on it due to COVID-19. So turning first to Lee, can I ask you to tell us more about the cross-industry initiative, which I understand represents manufacturers and downstream users? What changes are they looking for to the regulatory management option analysis process and why do they want them? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andrew. So um, the cross-industry initiative uh, was set up between the end of 2014 uh, and early 2015, uh, and it describes itself as a coalition aimed at streamlining chemicals management. Uh, It comprises of more than 60 organisations, and these span across several sectors uh, at EU and national level. So its initial um, message from the beginning has been to warn against, and this is uh, taken from the website, uh, to warn against the unintended consequences of duplicating legislation, uh, and in particular it focuses on exposure to chemicals in the workplace, uh, as well as the interface between the EU legislation on occupational health and safety and the general regulatory framework for chemicals, which is REACH. So the remit for um, CII targets exclusively cases where the potential risks posed by chemicals are limited to the workplace environment and therefore it advocates um, applying workplace legislation where the risk is limited to the workplace uh, rather than using broader chemicals legislation such as REACH. Um, Going further into this it kind of focuses even on uh, occupational exposure limits or OELs uh, and if it is workplace related uh, in, in terms of the concern of a substance, it does recommend the use of uh, OELs. Um, so that's a little roundup of CII. But what's actually happened? Well, the CII issued a policy statement last week saying that a clearer regulatory management option analysis or RMOA process uh, would support the EU's recently um, announced Green Deal. Um, but first, so, so what is an RMOA? Well, it's a, a regulatory mo- management option analysis. Uh, it aims to help authorities clarify whether regulatory action is necessary for a substance uh, and to identify the most appropriate measures to address a concern. Uh, it can conclude that the regulatory action for a substance um, um, it could be, for example, harmonized classification and labeling, uh, perhaps the inclusion in the candidate list, uh, a restriction uh, or another EU-wide measure. Uh, it's also worth noting that 
it can determine that no regulatory action is actually required. Um, another thing to take into account is that even if an RMOA concludes that regulatory action should be initiated, such an outcome does not have any le direct legal implications. Um, the outcomes are usually um, presented in the RMOA are the only are the conclusions of the authority that developed it. Um, they're also carried out by uh, any member state or by ECHA uh, if require, uh, requested by the European Commission. Uh, and it's quite important that it's also on a case-by-case -case basis. And this is where the CII has raised an issue, um, as well as other industry um, uh, representatives as well. Um, because they are conducted by different authorities, um, the industry thinks that uh, this poses a challenge in terms of consistency, effectiveness and predictability. Uh, combined with the fact that there is no official guidance on the process, or at least there's not been any published according to CII, again it's creating uh, inconsistencies in how RMOAs are conducted and therefore it's a problem for industry because consistency as we know is uh, how industry operate. Um, so how does this relate to the Green Deal? Well, the Green Deal sets out uh, policy initiatives that aim to address environmental and climate challenges. Uh, it was published in December last year. Uh, and within this, uh, it sets out a plan to review how to better use the EU's agencies and scientific bodies to move towards a process of one substance, one assessment, uh, and to provide greater transparency when prioritizing action to deal with chemicals. So the CII is actually supporting the use of RMOAs uh, and it believes they could be useful to support the implementation of this process of a, a one substance, one assessment. Um, and it says that they're ideal tools to obtain clarity as to which uh, regulatory management option to use. So a good fit here. However, um, the coalition considers that a more consistent, predictable RMOA process could help improve the prioritization of the most appropriate regulatory management measures and as it says bring the European deals health and environmental objects to life. So specifically what it's recommending um, it's put out this policy statement and it says uh, it's recommending the existing authorities uh, template for RMOAs so there is a there is a template they use um, however this should be transformed into official guidance and then published. Within this guidance uh, they're calling for uh, clearly determining the scope of RMOAs uh, and enabling industry to proactively gather the data sought by authorities during RMOAs. Um, so it's, it's obviously wanting to know exactly how industry can get involved in this process um, and making specific requests of, of how they can provide the, the information required. Uh, and finally, another specific here is a criteria to be developed to support consistency in choosing the most appropriate regulatory management option. And going back to CII's uh, original focus, this is particularly talking about the overlapping area of REACH and OSH. Okay, thanks, Lee. Uh, before we move on, can you tell if there has been any indication so far that the Commission may respond to the call for guidance? Yeah, sure. We, we haven't heard yet. Um, we're expecting to hear something back this week. Uh, Chemical Watch has contacted the Euro European Commission uh, as well as the CII to uh, see if there has been a response to these recommendations and um, how they would, will, will approach them. So um, we should be hearing back on that this week uh, and hopefully we'll be able to update readers uh, on the next steps. Okay, thanks again, Lee. 
So uh, now let's turn our attention to Brexit and the UK chemical strategy. Geraint, can I ask you to talk us through the concerns raised by the Environmental Audit Committee Chair, Philip Dunn MP, following the decision to suspend work on the UK chemical strategy? What are the key concerns he outlined in his letter to the Environment Secretary, George Eustace? Sure, thanks, Andrew. Um, before doing that, I guess I should just um, um, step back a little bit and explain um, why we're writing about a, a UK parliamentary committee. So the UK Parliament is trying to get back to business at the moment um, after disruption caused by COVID-19. Um, its normal role is to try and hold the government of the day to account. One of the ways it does this is through a number of committees which are made up of cross-party uh, group of MPs. And one of the uh, key committees when it comes to chemical policy is the Environmental Audit Committee, chaired by MP uh, Mr. Dunn. So um, essentially what they've, uh, the committee has done here is they're asking the UK Environment Minister, George Eustace, you know, what is going on? Uh, policy seems to have ground to a halt. Uh, the, the government has um, delayed work on the, um, the, the domestic chemical strategy. Um, it's not being very communicative about its um, view of what a uh, post-transition period UK REACH regime would look like. It's postponed the uh, meeting that was due to happen next month of the Chemical Stakeholder Forum, which is an advisory group. Um, that advises um, the Environment Ministry. Um, and so we're kind of in a hiatus and people are itching to know what the next um, steps are going to be. Now, the, the letter really addresses two issues. One, the UK chemical strategy, which is due to come out in about a year or two's time. And secondly, the, uh, the whole issue of what a post-Brexit UK chemical framework would look like. And these two policy areas are inextricably linked, obviously, because uh, any kind of future chemical strategy is bound to be uh, largely uh, based on, on, on the sort of the new framework that's going to be in position after the transition period. Um, not only that, but we've also got the um, you know, talks beginning with the US between the UK and the US on trade. And um, we're looking for early signs of what that might mean for chemical standards. Um, so that's sort of the background to it all. Now, the key things that um, this committee is asking for, there's two big issues, I think, really. Um, one is, um, as was flagged you know, in the um, virtual conference that we held on Brexit, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, is the whole issue of REACH registrations um, and authorizations, data requirements, data management. How will you be able to ensure your substance remains on the UK market or how will authorizations um, operate? Um, and that's a really um, key issue for business. And, you know, business groups will have, I'm sure, um, urged uh, this committee to have written to the minister to seek clarification on where we're going. Um, the other big issue is, um, you know, without access to ECHA's databases, systems uh, and committees, and, and the UK government has made it clear it's not interested in any kind of associate membership of ECHA, 
how will the UK uh, maintain um, safety standards for chemicals or, or even raise them? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not sure how it's going to have the information to do that. And those are probably the two main issues that um, the committee raised. Okay, thank you, Gary. We also heard last week that the European Parliament's Environment Committee has stressed the importance of the UK remaining dynamically aligned with the EU on chemicals regulations after Brexit. Can you tell us a little about that? Sure, yeah. Um, so this is a reminder, really, that the European Parliament is, is also involved in the whole Brexit negotiations process. Uh, it's not just um, the Commission and Michel Barnier um, or the, uh, the member states um, in the Council uh, and the UK institutions, but the Parliament also is playing a role here. Um, and it's um, through its various committees, it's bringing together uh, a resolution on how it would it wants the Commission to uh, conduct those negotiations and with what aims in mind. Um, so that's really what's happening here. But and the, the point it's making um, is it's saying that um, it's really important that the UK remains dynamically aligned with the EU on chemical regulations. Now, dynamically aligned means uh, not only um, starting off from a point on at the end of the transition period of meeting all existing um, EU standards, such as restrictions, authorizations, classifications, etc. It also means ab um, abiding by them going forward and adopting them going forward. And this is something that um, the UK government has uh, insists that uh, it's not prepared to do. It doesn't want to see this written into any kind of legal treaty. Nonetheless, as the um, Environment Committee is pointing out, if a company in the UK wants to put chemicals or certain goods on the EU market, it will have to meet EU standards. So um, it will have no choice. So, you know, does the UK um, meet EU standards in order to have access to that market whilst at the same time producing other um, materials and goods for, for other markets that meet a, a different standard, which doesn't seem to make much sense. So it's a sort of reality call in a way. Um, but on the political front, um, the, the UK government, you know, won an election in December promising um, to take back control, to set its own standards um, and not to be beholden uh, to the EU in any way. And for that reason, it's saying that uh, it cannot um, publicly and legally uh, sign up to this. But what will happen uh, in practice will be very interesting once uh, once the transition period is over and the UK actually embarks on this new chapter in its history and, and starts to uh, actually have to set some standards. Thank you, Geraint. That's all we have time for today. So thank you to Lee and Geraint for sharing their thoughts and knowledge with us today. And thank you, the audience, for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the Chemical Watch News podcast. If you would like to find out more about the topics from today's discussion, head over to the Chemical Watch website at chemicalwatch.com. We hope you join us again for next week's Chemical Watch News podcast. On behalf of the Chemical Watch team, have a great week. Goodbye. Unlock the full value of your compliance and product stewardship 
with world-leading insight and intelligence from Chemical Watch. To find out more or request a demo, visit chemicalwatch.com. Chemical Watch. Intelligence to transform product safety. Chemical Watch Podcast.